Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. Maybe most of you already understand this. Maybe there's simply a few Jordan Poole fans who got busy and made it appear as if there are more of them than there actually are, but now that the whole Draymond Green, Jordan Poole clash has been revived thanks to social media exchanges between Kevin Garnett and Draymond Green and Draymond and Jordan's dad, Anthony Poole. I feel compelled to explain why the Warriors made the decision to stick with Draymond and go to the extreme length of sacrificing a future first-round pick and take on a 37-year-old point guard with a big and sometimes abrasive personality who has previously clashed with many members of their team, greed, and was willing to do all of that in order to ship Jordan Poole to the other side of the country. First of all, the cost of getting Poole out of their building tells you what the entire league thinks, not just about Poole, but about the incident that started this whole whole ball rolling, which was Draymond Green punching Poole last fall in training camp. I should amend that. That actually wasn't what got the whole ball rolling, but I'll get back to that. Because if the Warriors had options other than sacrificing a future first-round pick, something that they have never done, not in recent memory, they assuredly would have taken it. They have a massively expensive roster and will do so for the next few years. The only means they have of adding talent or improving their team on the relative cheap is through the draft. It had to kill them to give up a first rounder to get this deal done. Also, if the Wizards or anyone else thought at this point that Poole was the next Steph Curry or merely a franchise-level player, they would have been giving the Warriors a first-round pick as part of the package, not requiring one. There would have been 
multiple teams, quality teams run by quality GMs, seeing the dust up as an opportunity to pilfer a talent made available by an unfortunate incident. And what did we get instead? A first-time GM for a franchise with a long track record of mediocrity, no matter who has run it, being able to practically dictate the terms necessary for them to do the deal. Now, granted, uh, Michael Winger in, uh, in Washington was negotiating with a first-time GM in Mike Dunleavy Jr. for the Warriors, but Golden State's collective brain trust has been just a wee bit better at making productive deals than the Wizards. So I'm not looking at this as Michael Winger got over on Mike Dunleavy Jr. For all of those, by the way, who have suggested that Poole should never forgive Green for punching him, that it was an unforgivable act getting cold cocked by a teammate. I'll put this very simply. Grow up and grow a pair. Deciding to sulk for a lifetime over anything is the height of immaturity. It's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. You hold a resentment. You're the only one holding it. You're the only one being affected by it. You're not serving yourself by holding on to it. It is literally a mental and psychological weight that only you can excise. No one else. There's, there aren't apologies that get it done because you can decide whether you're going to accept that apology or not. Jordan Poole obviously never quite got okay with Draymond trying to make it right. It's also acting as if somehow nothing bad is ever supposed to happen to you. It's receiving a victim card and deciding to play it for the rest of your life. And that's simply no way to live. Look, there's a difference between never forgiving and never forgetting. Forgiving requires acceptance of our part in the incident in happening. And we always have a part. Also of the fact that we're all flawed human beings. And that if I want people to give me grace for my mistakes, I have to give them grace for theirs. Jordan Poole has made plenty of mistakes. You can argue whether he's ever made a mistake as big as punching a teammate. Doesn't really matter. Does it? Can we forgive or not? Never forgetting is holding on to the memory and the lesson it provides. And that makes it useful. Taking the weight out of it and retaining the value of the experience. We do this with setbacks every day of our lives, don't we? But that requires a few questions. Why did the bad thing happen? If we get a speeding ticket and we realize, oh, you know what? There's a, there's a cop trap there on the regular. What do we do? We learn from it. We change our behavior. Why did the bad thing happen? One, we were speeding. Two, we didn't pay attention to the fact that there's always a cop hiding there. So we got a choice. We're smarter or we change our behavior. But we do something to change it. Cops not just unilaterally giving us a ticket. We figure out what, what could I have done to prevent it. Detach the pain from the person or thing that inflicted it and just remember it, the pain, along with the circumstances that led to that pain so you can avoid putting yourself in harm's way again. And when I mean the pain, I don't mean the psychological pain in this case of getting punched. 
I mean, the pain of what did I do that would make a teammate that angry at me? Now, the tough part of this, of course, is that the incident was caught on tape and now belongs to the world, probably forever. The video clip is not going away, but its effect on Jordan can if he wants to work to make that happen. And maybe you're saying to yourself, well, why does, why does Jordan have to do all this work on himself? Why shouldn't Draymond have to do work? Oh, Draymond has to do work on himself and has talked about doing work on himself about this very subject. Have you heard anything about Jordan Poole doing anything different? Talking about doing anything different? Taking any, any responsibility for the incident? I've heard Draymond do plenty of that. I haven't heard Jordan do any of that. But I've digressed into a sermon on self-healing and that really wasn't my intent when I started. My intent is to explain why the Warriors would stand by Draymond despite the fact that he was the one who threw the punch. No punch, you're thinking, and nothing would have happened. There wouldn't be any issues. Warriors might have gone on and won another championship. And that is where you're wrong. Now before I explain why, I have to say The arrogance of some fans who are perfectly comfortable suggesting in public, on social media, that they would have handled the situation better than the Warriors, mainly by getting rid of Draymond, tickles me to no end. It is breathtaking arrogance. Steve Kerr and Joe Lacob and the rest of the Warriors brain trust has spent years with both Draymond and Jordan. They've eaten together, traveled together, practiced together, worked together, dealt with high-pressure situations together, negotiated contracts together, celebrated together, showered together, did community appearances together, rehabbed together, all of that. And I'm not talking about Jordan and Draymond, although they've done some of that too. I'm talking about all of the Warriors, any and all of the Warriors that would be involved in making a decision on who stays and who goes. They know each other the way you know members of your family. Because unlike regular work, these people are pretty t- together pretty much nonstop for seven months out of the year. And you, the fan, you fans out there who know better, you know them how? By watching games? By watching a few interviews? By a video of one guy punching the other? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Warriors have all the information you have, because they've seen all that too, and 10 tons more, but you're in position to make the better, wiser choice. Okay. Now, the reason anyone who thinks the Warriors wouldn't have had to move on from Jordan 
or that the conflict between Jordan and Draymond wouldn't have been a problem if not for the punch. The reason that they're wrong is because of the old saying that money doesn't change you, it just makes you more of who you already are. And Jordan had already been brash. I didn't always know that, but I saw it in full last season. I was actually surprised, uh, that was like two years ago, when I first heard that Jordan Poole is one of the biggest trash talkers in the league. He apparently is good with the under-the-breath running dialogue about how much better he is than you, according to several opponents and teammates. And let's just say he has never lacked for confidence. From what I know, being around the team and hearing various comments here and there by players other than Draymond, and including Steph and Clay, uh, Jordan was never shy about trash-talking his teammates. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But there's a level or line that you shouldn't cross. The desire by one teammate to prove he's better than another in a competitive, spirited way can't get in the way of the idea that we're in this together. That ultimately it's not about who is better, but what do we have to do collectively to be our best? And whether it was rebellion because of the punch, which occurred in practice in early October, or the four-year $128 million extension that the Warriors still gave Jordan a week or so later and that he signed, Jordan played like someone trying to prove they had arrived, rather than someone who was looking to do what needed to be done to make the team better. And what the team desperately needed from him last season was to make better decisions with the ball and play better defense. And he did neither. Now, organizing the team's defense and holding everyone accountable at that end of the floor has been Draymond's domain since he succeeded David Lee as the team's starting power forward. He and Andre Iguodala played the good cop, bad cop when it came to getting Jordan to do his part defensively. Problem is, on last season, Iguodala was rarely available, and Draymond felt he couldn't talk to Jordan the same way because of the punch. So, there were no cops on the beat when it came to Jordan for the better part of last season. At least that's what I gathered. That would have mattered less if Jordan saw on his own that with Klay Thompson struggling as a defender as he made his way back from those two devastating injuries, the team needed him, Jordan, to take it upon himself to play better defense, which he did not. What will aggravate any team or coach is when a player loses the ball or stops to complain to the refs about not getting a call rather than hustling back on defense. Now, established players like James Harden and LeBron James can get away with it. There's others. They will do it. It's not liked. Coaches don't like it. Superstar players get away with it. But a player like Jordan can't. Now, Draymond does plenty of harping on referees, but if you'll notice... He rarely does it at the expense of his job. He'll get after them plenty during a stoppage in play or as he is tracking back on defense. But you don't see him standing still staring at the ref while play continues, as if I cannot believe I did not get that call. You have never, ever seen Draymond do that. You've seen a lot of that from Jordan, including in the playoffs. And that, to me, was what convinced the Warriors that they couldn't go forward with him. It's possible for a team to survive players indulging their personal agendas during the regular season. It's a long season. 
there's a there's slippage there's understanding that not everything's going to be buttoned up all the time but it can't happen in the postseason and a player who has made the march to a championship should know that as Jordan had Jordan forcing shots, losing the ball as he attempted to attack the rim or shake a defender with an out-of-control move, and then pouting goes against the very spirit of what has made the Warriors four-time champions over the last eight years. It had to be clear to them at that point that whether it was the punch or the contract, Poole's priorities were out of whack and there was no guarantee he'd ever get them aligned again with the rest of the team. Now, whatever you want to say about Draymond, what he does is in the interest of winning. And the Warriors know this. It's why they've stuck by him through everything. Those of you who want to point to his disagreements with Kevin Durant and Poole and his shouting match with Kerr as proof that he's the problem that needs to be eradicated, don't understand the value and purpose behind having someone like Draymond on a team. You also are conveniently forgetting that KD cut himself off from the rest of the team for a big part of that season because he felt he wasn't given the proper respect from ownership after they won the second title. And I can tell you at one point they were so baffled by his mood and approach in certain games that one person with the team told me at one point they wondered if KD was throwing, trying to throw games. It was that bad. Now, did they literally think he was throwing games? No, but it felt like it. And a notice to NBA Central, don't lift that comment out and put it on social media, please. It will take it entirely out of context and give it far more meaning than it is intended. Doing so is not fair to me, KD, or the Warriors. I appreciate the advertising, but when it's not accurate, it actually hurts. KD was leaving, and it was not inspired by Draymond getting in his face. Draymond was inspired to get in his face because he saw that KD was acting, at times, as if he already had one foot out the door. And that is not a winning attitude. Now, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and some of them come from the same place. The question, when you're talking about a group effort, is if the element a particular person brings to the group is more of a benefit or more of a hindrance. It may not always lead to winning, but everything Steph and Clay do doesn't either. And that goes for every single player who has ever stepped on a court, and every coach. But what there has never been a doubt about is their intent. Steph's intent, Clay's intent, Draymond's intent, their focus. If Draymond is jawing at the referees, it is to intimidate them, to get calls in his favor. If he gets into it with an opponent, it is to intimidate or distract them. doesn't always work, but his intentions are clear. And Steve Kerr and Steph and Clay and all the important people in the Warriors organization, they know it. Because they've seen how effective his tactics can be. How they have led to winning. How they are a vital part of who they are. A team can't have everybody operating that way, but they can have one. They also understand why Draymond has to play that way. 
because he is not going to overpower anyone physically. He's not going to dazzle them with skills. The realm of mind games is where Draymond lives. It is a huge part of his success. It's also been a huge part of the Warrior's success. From a physical standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, he has to redline in order to be as great as he's been. And what was Jordan's part in their winning? Well, in their championship run two years ago, it was filling in for Steph when he was injured at the start of the playoffs. It was filling in as a scorer for Klay Thompson as he worked his way back to form. And that is essentially it. The job that he did that championship season was expendable with Steph and Klay available. Draymond's role is not expendable. They don't have another one like him. They need him to feed Clay and Steph. They need him to defend a variety of players. And they need him to be the guy who barks at teammates and opponents alike because it has been a formula for their success. The Warriors collectively feed off of his craziness. It emboldens them. If you're someone who just watches the clips of Draymond acting out, you may not be aware of that. But if you've watched the team, the entire team, night in and night out over the last 8, 9, 10, 11 years, you've seen it night in and night out. The highlight reel of Draymond making a big pivotal play and letting the world know about it is 10 times as long as the one of his misdeeds where he stepped over the line or went too far. Fans and analysts who measure Draymond's value by stats, you have nothing to offer me. It is the very fact that he doesn't care about stats that is part of his value. It is the very fact that Jordan did care about his stats, or at least seemed to take them as a reflection of whether or not he played well, that actually undermined his value. Keep in mind, Andrew Wiggins was not a good defender when he joined the Warriors. His shot selection was not very good either. He was very much a undisciplined player. But he evolved and he grew and he found out how he needed to adjust in order to benefit the team. And that was not by challenging Steph and Clay for who could be the best scorer, but by defending and stepping in to make shots when they faltered. Now granted, Wiggins experienced a whole lot of losing in Minnesota being a primary scorer and an indifferent defender. Jordan got a little bit of that too. It was just in Golden State. But you would think that after experiencing that and then having Steph and Clay and a fully healthy Draymond come back and win, that he would understand that he needed those guys in order to have the success that he experienced in winning a championship. That... The championship came through them. Now, being traded for Wiggins, for any player, is an ego deflator, especially when they haven't requested one. But Wiggins swallowed his pride and figured out how he could benefit the team. He did it by getting vaccinated as well, even though he really didn't want to do that. That's the mindset that it takes to be a vital part of a championship team. And that's what Jordan proved over and over again last season that he was not willing to do. So even if you want to say, well, he just, it's understandable that he couldn't get over the punch. Yeah, okay. Let's say it's understandable. 
It's also understandable that the Warriors could not expect to win if they had a guy in their midst who couldn't get over the punch. Now, Draymond didn't stomp on Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis in the first round of the playoffs last year because he doesn't care about winning. Draymond didn't punch Poole because he doesn't care about winning. Draymond didn't take a swing at LeBron James' groin back in the finals and which he got suspended for as he stepped over him, as LeBron stepped over him because he doesn't care about winning. If anything, he might care too much at those times. He might try to do too much and went about it the wrong way. But can we count up all the games, all the moments, all the situations in which Draymond redlined or Draymond did what only Draymond could do for the Warriors? The big defensive stop, the killer pass that freed Steph or Clay. Yes, even his own floater or layup or the occasional timely three-pointer. The countless times that only the Warriors and those around the team are aware of when he got them right defensively in the midst of coming undone or the work he did in helping Wiggins develop into the defensive player he is today. Don't focus so hard on a few histrionics that you don't see the far bigger body of work that contributed to four championships and six runs to the finals. He was a part of every single one of them. That's what the Warriors did. They looked at all that Draymond has done, good and bad, and recognized that the good far outweighs the bad. And then they looked at Jordan's relatively short history with them and weighed what he has meant to them, to the team, to their success, and to their culture. And the choice really wasn't all that hard to make. It's one every winning organization would have made. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, I'd love to go back to back and talk about Draymond and Chris Paul and why I think that that is a match made in heaven. But I need to address something that Joel Embiid said about his desire to win a championship. In Philadelphia or elsewhere. It's not just about that comment, but it's about the Philadelphia 76ers in their entirety and looking at the process. Ah, yes, the process. That thing that was going to deliver a, champion, a championship in Philadelphia. We'll break it down, all of it, in the next episode. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.